podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Amanda. And hello. Annie is just enjoying the shit out of whatever you're feeding her. Um, Chuck roast with carrots and potatoes. And also she's already ate. It was supposed to be mine. Oh. Well, here we are. That sucks for you. Now I understand the meme about the mom hiding in the closet eating chocolate. I understood that, and I only have dogs. Part of me was always like, that's funny. That's probably, like, a little exaggerated. No. No, it's not. Oh. Well, I don't know what to tell you there, so. Listen, you guys listening can't see what I see, and it is just Amanda wrangling Annie. She's so happy right now. She was blowing me kisses right as we started. And then she changed her mind when I stopped giving her carrots. She was over it. She's like, how dare you? All right, well, how are you? It's been, what, a week? Less than a week since we last talked? I think so, yeah. Well, it's been over, no less, I don't know how long it's been since we've talked. It's been a hot minute. It's been a week at least. Yeah. I know it's been a while because you were surprised when you heard my voice. Or lack thereof. That's that's valid. Uh, well, also, um, I heard your voice and my volume was set to 100%. So the surprise <laughs> was not just your voice. It was also the the fact that I might be deaf now. I'm not sure. Well, that's perfect because you might be deaf. And I um, have laryngitis. So oh. well, between the two of us, uh, someone might hear us. Annie, can you hear us? Annie. 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 She has selective hearing. Oh, does she? <laughs> she gets that. So, not from me. <laughs> what? What? She would never get that from you. That's definitely pish a posh. James thing. Yeah. Pish posh. That's crazy. Crazy. What? I listen to everything all the time. Yeah. We'll go with it. Okay. Well, laryngitis. Other than that. How are you? Did you get to go home for the holidays? I know you weren't sure because of the snow. I did. Yes. It uh, it eased up enough. So I was able to go home. That's why I have laryngitis. Apparently it's allergy induced. And the okay. wild thing is my aunt lives at the top of Alabama and the rest of my family lives at the bottom. This did not happen until I got like halfway down, like Birmingham area. So I don't know. I don't know what kind of pollen is in Alabama. But it hates me. It's some super pollen. Yes. It sees my little SUV going down the road and it's like, get her. Get Jeff, her. Bob, let's go. <laughs> Is that the allergens names now? Yes. The Jeff pollen? and Bob. Yeah. They come straight through the vents and just <laughs> attack my esophagus. Well, what did you do to Jeff and Bob? I rolled through their territory, I guess. My bad, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, how was Christmas? It was really good. It kind of sucked because um, James couldn't be there. He had to work. Um, and I guess that kind of works out because dogs. But it was really good. Annie was much more social, um, probably because of daycare. So she didn't scream the minute uh, one of my family members looked at her for too long. That's a bonus. Yeah, she was super. Oh. My grandparents were so excited because they did not know we were coming down. My brothers and my dad knew. 
And I gave them explicit instructions. Like, if they find out, I'm coming for you. Because y'all are the only ones that know. So I knocked on the door at about 8.30 at night. Somewhere around in there. And when they said, who is it? Or come in, I did not. Because it was really cold. So I had Annie sitting on the ground all bundled up. Plus, she had a blanket over her head. But I wanted them to come to the door and, you know, surprise. Well, they did. And my grandpa came to the door. He was very surprised. And when we came inside... Uh, my grandma was digging for a knife because she didn't know who was at the door. So <laughs> I love runs in the family. Yeah, it runs in the family, I suppose. Yeah. We're all paranoid all the time. Why not, right? Also, I'm probably going to get her some sort of knife to keep on hand because she couldn't decide. So she was just rifling through the knife drawer. She's like, which knife is better for this yeah. intruder? Right. Yes. Which one is better for spleen splitting, the Cutco or the Serrated? Who knows? I guess she uh, would have to figure out with someone else. <laughs> Luckily, not us. Yes. Yeah. Not you guys. Never Annie. Maybe you. But <laughs> how was your Christmas? It it was busy. Um. Obviously, we do the run around. So we we went up to my parents' house on Christmas Eve. Me and my sister drank. My dad could not drink because he had to deliver me and Cody back to our car. Aww. Um, but it was good. And then Christmas morning, we did the runaround, went and saw my grandma. So saw Cody's grandma, his dad, his mom. I will say I'm still bitter that Cody has a split family. And I am uh, lucky enough to come from not a split family. So my parents are still married. They're still everything um, so you're i'm just kind of confused at how you worded that you're bitter because you're lucky to not have gone. well okay no, i'm sorry <laughs> i'm bitter at cody okay uh, let's correct this i'm bitter at cody for having the split family uh -huh. i am lucky to have like not a split family right cody we had to go three different spots for his his family on christmas day and even at that, I mean, like we did dinner with his stepdad, uh, dinner with his mom, went and saw his grandma, went and saw his dad and stepmom. It was just a lot. That's a lot of dinner. We didn't do dinner at everyone's house, um, but it's just a lot of running around. Yeah, so. I, I can see where that's a little frustrating. Yeah. And you don't really get the time you want, I would imagine, with everybody. Um, some of them I prefer not to have time with, and some of them I would prefer more time with. It was fine. It just was, it was busy. Okay. Well, at least it's not all bad. Yeah. So, but I have a different update that I know you've been dying for because I wouldn't tell you over a text message. Yes. I, I'm ready. Just go. Jump right Okay. In. So I know, or I think, I don't know, have I mentioned anything about my infertility in past episodes? I don't think you've gone into detail. If you have, okay. I'm sorry because it's hard for me to remember because I already know. So I don't uh, know what y'all yeah. know. I don't know what I've said, but we'll we'll just clear this up. So um, for five years, Cody and I have struggled with infertility. Going on five years, I think we're close to five years. Regardless, um, there's been a lot there. So we have. It's all me. It's all my reproductive parts cody's all fine um but i have i have several things i've got pcos which isn't great um one of my fallopian tubes has scar tissue around it and it's extended did you just gag 
No, I went to be like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was At first I was like, oh, okay. I kind of know about that um, with the issues I ran into having Annie. And then you said extended. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's weird. It's, so one is fine, but the other is like, because he explained it as like, when your fallopian tubes come and connect to the ovaries, they've got like a natural curve. And the one doesn't it's got some scar tissue around it plus it's got it's like extended anyways there's that and then there is um basically how the doctor described it to me is he said that with the scar tissue on the one fallopian tube my body's trying to repair it even though it's not going to do anything um and that is basically causing he said a like a toxin basically in my uterus making it so that i there's no implantation happening and then on top of that, there's also endometriosis. I I can't catch a break, okay? So we kind of stepped back. Um, the last time we saw the doctor was twenty May of 2021. And we decided, first of all, he told us IVF. And we're like, well, we can't afford that. So we've been saving for IVF. Um, but I finally went back and I saw the doctor uh, right before Christmas. And going to be a crazy year. <laughs> Okay. So last time we talked to the doctor, he he had mentioned doing a surgery to remove one of my fallopian tubes or clear the scar tissue. When I talked to him this last time, he just said, We're, I want to do the surgery first and completely remove the fallopian tube. So I'll be working off of one. And then so we're going to schedule that surgery for January or February. He said it's not terrible. Like I'll have four or five days where I'm not feeling great. But after that, I'm like back to work. So. We're going to schedule that um, and that will remove one fallopian tube, clear any endometriosis that they can find, and then just general check of the lady bits, right? Okay. Um, that'll be in January, February, depending on schedule is available to do the surgery. And then that means that after that's done, we will be doing the egg retrieval and embryo creation in April or May. And then in May or June, we'll be doing implantation of the embryos for the IVF process. Okay. I didn't even know how this was going to end, but I immediately started smiling when you said egg creation because I assumed how it was going to end. So oh, I embryo just, creation. The eggs I'm are sorry. already created. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. Embryo creation. Uh, I, when you said that, I could pretty much guess the rest. And I am yeah. stupid excited. I'm very nervous. It's um, it's the needles that make me a little nervous. Just that much poking of myself for any reason makes me a little anxious. But I get that. Been a long time, and here we are. So that's that's the update. I know you've been waiting for. Yeah, for um, like a week. Yeah, heifer. It it has been a week because I'm pretty <laughs> sure my appointment was last Wednesday. <laughs> But regardless, I am so, so excited. Yeah. So it's it's coming up. I'll try to keep everyone updated. Like, I don't know if you guys even want to hear about it. If you don't skip past these parts, I guess. Like, yeah, can't help you there. Um, <laughs> it's been a long time coming. So I've already talked to one of my friends and said, if I need you to come poke me, will you come poke me? So she said she would come help with shots if I can't bring myself to do it to myself. Or Cody's not home. So that's that's the update. Any other questions, comments, concerns? Email us at HelenHealsPodcast at gmail.com.
And even if you don't necessarily care for this update, like, you just, you got to be happy for the girl, okay? Or yeah, I'll I mean, punch we you don't in the know. face. We don't know if it'll work. So, I mean, we don't know if IVF is going to work or not. So, it might be a lot of invasive things for nothing. But we're going to cross our fingers. And we're going to stay positive. Uh-huh. Those, those are my updates. I don't have really anything else to go over. Uh, do you have any other updates? Um, well, I haven't found any more body parts at work yet, so no, I don't think so. Are plastic nails considered a body part, or are you referring to the tooth? Look, it's enough of a damn body part that I had to touch, okay? <laughs> I'm still upset. Still upset. Okay. And I will probably, I have, um, I think now. Yeah, as of yesterday, I believe. Nope, as of Christmas. I have been there two months, and we get like a 90-day evaluation thing. I will be bringing this up in my evaluation. <laughs> like, I don't know what kind of raise I'm getting or if I will get one, but I will bring up the tooth, and I will bring up the fingernails, okay? Because, hey, this is a biohazard. You know what? You No one can help you with your biohazard there. Money is already dirty, and now I have to deal with ghost phantom teeth random teeth will it make you feel better to talk about our shout out for the week yes it will okay go for it then this week we're gonna shout out no we're gonna shout out you yeah you right there Just all of you yeah look in a mirror you see the person looking back at you it's you but don't look too long because your fa your brain does weird things when you stare at you yeah, for too long. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, so we basically were like looking at our map, figuring out who we have not yet shouted out. And I, I don't even know who we have shouted out. I'm still working on getting that organized. The one thing I fell on with organization was shout outs because it just kind of happened one day. We just started doing it. Um, and I didn't document it very well. So... I'm working on getting through who we have done acknowledgements for and who we have not. And then we'll get back to it. But today, it's all of you. It's you in everyone. your car, you with your AirPods, you playing it out loud to your entire office. You're the real MVP. The real MVP. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Help us make people uncomfortable. You there. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, we do want to shout out that we do post pictures on uh, from our episodes on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we don't do Discord right now, but we probably should. So our Instagram is Hell on Heels Podcast. Twitter, Hell on Heels Pod. I don't know why I hesitated. Instagram, Hell on Heels Podcast. Twitter, Hell on Heels Pod. Facebook, Hell on Heels Podcast. Linktree, Hell on Heels Podcast. Uh, Discord is up and going if you want to join there. Um, we'll just be posting at random whenever we feel like on Discord. And if you make us laugh, you're more likely to get attention on Discord. So there's that for you. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up, honestly. Yeah. Um, if you guys have any suggestions or anything that you want us to talk about, um, you can email us at g no, not at gmail.com. You can email us at Helen Hills Podcast at gmail.com. And we will thoroughly read through your suggestions. If it is a complaint, we will pick on you with our patrons, um, as we have already announced. Well, at least Amanda announced last time. I think that's it. Are you ready for a story? Yeah, let's get this over with.
to finish off what you were pissed off about me? I am so ready. Wait, what you were pissed off at me about last week. There we go. There it is. Yes. I'm sorry. I was so excited. I couldn't even let you finish. I'm just ready to get this. That's okay. I was calculating in my brain what the hell I said wrong anyways. But we are finishing up about the Texas killing fields. And I'm going to, you're going to get mad at me. (laughs) It's fine. I'll get to it when I get to it. So last week, we talked about two separate murders and the ones that led to conviction. And I threw you for a loophole because there was one more that led to conviction or one more conviction that happened. Okay. Okay. So we're just following up more on the Texas killing fields. And we are going to talk about one more case that did lead to a conviction as well as theories about other suspects and all of that for the victims who have whose cases have yet to be solved. So our first story, we're going to start with the final case that led to a conviction. And this is the final accurate conviction that I could find. And this story doesn't start in Texas. It starts in Oklahoma. William Lewis Reese was born July 1st, 1959 in Oklahoma. He was one of 13 kids. Okay. Way too fucking many children. Yeah. You're not supposed to let them outnumber you at any point in time. And what year was he born? 59. So not the easiest time to raise a family of 13. Uh, Of course, I don't know when it would be. It would be a family of 15, including mom and dad. Okay, fair. Yeah, so um, I don't know when would be an easy time to raise that many. But uh, I'm guessing they, they, they may have struggled just a tad. You can you can say that, but can you imagine 13 variations of Annie running around? Absolutely not. Absolutely that not. Is your worst nightmare, isn't it? I would sell them. No, I, matter of fact, I wouldn't sell them. That's horrible. I would give them away. Oh, okay. You would pay someone to take them. Got it. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my mom's dad's mom. So my great-grandma on my mom's side, I'm fairly certain that she had 13 kids. But I know some of them were adopted. I'm glad you said that. Because before you finished, I was going to be like, on purpose? And then I would have just come up like an asshole. Because yes. Yes, it was on purpose. It might have been. I know she had like at least 10, but I can't remember off the top of my head how many. She is a saint. Oh, she definitely was a saint. I... She is, was incredible. But anyway, so he was one of 13 kids. Way too fucking many. Um, with 13 kids, as you guessed it, his parents were not exactly rolling in the dough. Uh, they struggled. Uh, and due to his parents' financial issues, Reese would go on to quit school after the ninth grade. He was forced to quit school. And he would begin working as a farm laborer to help support his family. He was almost done. He was real close. Like, come on, guys. Dang. If they, I can't imagine. Okay, I'm sure it was probably necessary. But at the same time, like, it just, you ruined his whole life. You ruined his young life. I'm just going to say he ruins his own life on his own. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Fair. In 1979, at around the age of 1920, Reese would go on to marry Judy Flaming. Uh, It was kind of like a shotgun wedding as Judy was pregnant. 
Um, and a quick little side note, just because you guys get pregnant does not mean you ever have to get married. So for anyone in this situation, if you are being forced into a marriage because you're pregnant, I'm just going to advocate to say maybe that's not the best idea because you should probably get a, be getting married because you love the person you're marrying, not because you got knocked up. Oh, like you can be a why? single parent. Yeah. What if you get married and then you have a kid? Well, that's your own doing. The kid did not cause you to get married. So now who do I blame? Yourself. Oh, yeah, that's not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> I say this because growing up, uh, my parents were really young when they started having children. Um, so I remember my mom always telling us, like, when her and my dad got married, they already had my my older brother. And I remember my mom telling us that her dad would say, you don't have to get married because you have a kid. Like, that's not, you don't have to do it. No, They got married, it was great. That's great. Like, that's good. That's love right there. Like, father to daughter, like, I just imagine it like a, hey, I'm here. Like, you don't have to put all your eggs in this basket if you don't want the hen. Right. Now, that's just what my mom told me. I don't, you know, I have my mom's version of what happened. Um, And just so you get an idea of how young my parents were, because they were young. Um, The first set of kids, the oldest three that are all adults. Uh, I was the youngest of the three, and my parents had me when they were 21. Oh, they did what my oh, parents did. Super young, yeah. Point being is that they did get married. Reese and Judy did get married when she was pregnant. And uh, after getting married, Reese would go on to enlist in the Oklahoma National Guard. And then I have every source just saying he would leave not long after enlisting. I don't know what that means. Like, he just kind of quit, I guess. But I didn't know you could quit that easily from the National Guard. I guess it's the National Guard. I don't know. Maybe he got deployed somewhere? No, because he just, he left the National Guard. Oh, he just left the whole thing. He was like, "Eh, made a mistake. Sorry. Yeah. Changed my mind. Yeah, that's what I could find. Uh, Judy would divorce him in 1980, but Reese would convince her to remarry him. Wow, that man is smooth. (laughs) I know. They would have their second child not long after. They didn't have what I would call a happy marriage. Reese would begin drinking heavily, and he was reportedly abusive towards Judy. Okay, okay. Okay, so Mm -hmm. I'm... I'm figuring you figured out where this is going now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suck a toe. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, in 1982, Judy would go to police after having been attacked and beaten by her husband. She stated that Reese had threatened to kill her with a knife and a shotgun. And that would be her breaking point and she would leave him for good. No fault of hers. (laughs) No fault of hers. And, like, I just feel bad as a woman because if that's your breaking point... What have you put up with? A lot, apparently. That didn't stop Reese from going on to remarry another woman. Didn't have her name, didn't care to look that hard, because this marriage only lasted a few months before his new bride would also divorce him. So she caught on a lot quick. Also, they didn't have a kid, so... Yeah, they didn't have two kids, from what I could find. Yeah, I'm sure the first lady stuck around for that. Yeah. So I'm assuming at this point, you already think that Reese is a doo-doo head. That's a nice way of putting it, yeah. (laughs) Well, we're going to get into how he's even more of a doo-doo head, okay? (laughs) Yay, so excited to hear it. 
In April of 1986, Reese kidnaps a 19-year-old girl. She just happened to be the daughter of a sheriff's deputy. She had been driving to a local gym. Her car had stalled and she was stranded. Oh, Um, my God. Fortunately, Reese stumbled across our damsel in distress. And Reese at the time was working as a truck driver and he lures this girl into his truck. And this was under the pretense that he would take her to a nearby payphone so that she could call, get help, all that fun stuff. Um, Instead of doing that, he would tie her up and rape her. And he took her to a nearby motel, rented a room for the night. He allowed her to go use the bathroom. And this girl took this as an opportunity to escape and call the police, which she was successful in. Hell yeah. And Reese was arrested and charged for her assault. Bah. Wait, he, no, why is that face? He was, however, released after paying his bail. Pardon? A month after his release, he sexually assaults another woman, and he is arrested again. Please tell me they gave him bail. No, he was arrested again, and he was put on trial and found guilty for both rapes, and he was sentenced to 25 years imprisonment. His attorney does appeal the case to a criminal court. Their Hold case on. was granted. I'm sorry. He did this before even going to court for the first one? Yeah. Oh. He did this after a month after he was released on bail. It didn't, like, I understood, like, he got out on bail and then he did the other one. But it it didn't, like, really sink in until you were, like, he was charged with both. So, like, what a... What a doo-doo hat. Oh. I, I'm sorry. I was just going for it. Like, no, you, you deserve no sweet little. You, you, you suck. So he's arrested again, put on trial, found guilty for both rapes, sentenced to 25 years imprisonment. His attorneys are go on to appeal the case to a criminal court and they were granted a review of the case. And basically what that means is the results of the review indicate there were procedural error procedural errors in his criminal case. His sentence was reduced and he was paroled in October of 1996. Okay. Okay. So he, he served about 10-ish years. I know. I know that these things happen. Okay. I get it. But like he was on bail. And raped another woman. Like, you really want to put him on parole? Um, I guess so. In early 1997, he would go on to move to Houston, Texas. And in 1997, 19-year-old Sandra Sepa? Sepa? I think they said Sepa on everything I heard. Uh, Sandra Sepa stopped at a gas station to use a payphone in Webster, Texas. She gets back in her car, begins driving like normal, and after several minutes, she realizes that one of her tires is flat. So she's forced to stop. Reese had seen her, stopped to offer to help, and once Sandra was in his truck, he overpowers her and binds her wrist. Uh, Little did Sandra know that Reese had seen her at the gas station and had begun following her from there. So he slit her tire. I assume so. Okay, well, perfect. So he learned nothing. Learned nothing. Nope. Great. Yep. Sandra was able to break free from her restraints, and she, as they're hurtling down the freeway, uh, she jumps out of his truck. Oh. Yeah. 
What a badass. She sustained severe injuries to her entire body in the process, but she did survive. She was taken to the hospital where police were contacted. She was able to describe her attacker, but could not recall other important details. So she could remember him. She got a lot of that. In an effort for her to get more details or to give more details, she was put under hypnosis. Under hypnosis, she was able to recall the license plate number on Reese's vehicle. God, she was... Holy crap. Yeah. Can we, like, snap for this woman real quick? (laughs) She's she's a a badass. Uh, Like, she should write a book. I would buy it. Yeah. She might have. I don't know. But she was able to also identify William Reese's picture from a picture array presented by the police. And Reese is convicted of kidnapping and charged in 1998. And he is found guilty and sentenced to 60 years in prison. Thank God. Police were suspicious of Reese having been involved with the disappearance of three different teenage girls at the time. One of the girls had actually last been seen alive and later found murdered near his workplace. And at the time of his conviction, they just didn't have enough evidence to tie him to any of the crimes they suspected of, ex- expected him of. Suspected. Suspected him of. Not expected. Sorry. In the early 2000s, due to different law changes, he was compelled to submit a DNA sample um, for that to be entered into CODIS. 2015, his DNA is matched to the murder of 19-year-old Tiffany Johnston. On July 26, 1997, Johnston's Dodge Neon was found abandoned at a car wash in Oklahoma. And at the time of the investigation, the owner of the car wash had told police that Reese frequented frequented the car wash. Now, this is in Oklahoma, not in Texas, just to clarify. Um, Tiffany's body had been found on the side of a dirt road. She had been very clearly sexually assaulted, beaten, and strangled. On September 21st, 2015, police were able to form a former formally jesus christ i can't fucking speak tonight police were able to formally charge reese with tiffany's murder in 2016 reese would begin to cooperate to an extent with investigators he would confess confess to johnston's murder and confess to three additional murders in texas in the summer of 1997 those three additional murders are linked to the texas killing fields He would go on to draw or create a map of the burial sites of three different girls to get them uh, to get to authorities. Don't get any ideas that he's changed. Yeah, he started cooperating, but he did this in an attempt to avoid the death penalty. I was going to say, like, I I was going to assume that something like that was going on because I just feel like people like this, like, you've had enough chances to change. You're not going to. Yeah, he's just, he doesn't want to die himself, so he's like, I'll start giving this information up and get my own life saved. Whatever. I hope he chokes on a mouthful of peas. So basically, the deal presented by his defense team was that he would fully admit to all of these crimes in court, and he would serve his life in prison. Oklahoma authorities were like, nah, pass. We already got the map. Hey. (laughs) I love it. Hell yeah. Played you, sucker. Kick rocks, loser. The Oklahoma Police Department, they, the authorities there, they got the map. They went and excavated these different sites on the map and found the skeletal remains of Kelly Ann Cox and Jess, Jessica Kane. 
Reese would go on to confess to the murders of Laura Smithers, Kellyanne Cox, Tiffany Johnston, and Jessica Kane. He did not admit that there was any sexual motive behind any of these crimes. He fully said, no, no nothing sexual behind them. Doo-doo head. Um, then why? So, I, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't want to know. I don't, I don't even want to know. I just hate him. And I'm going to go and talk about these girls just very briefly. Um, so first is Laura Smithers. She died um, on April 3rd, 1997. Laura Smithers was a 12-year-old girl. She told her mom she was going to go on a jog. And this jog should have taken no more than 20 minutes, according to her parents. And Laura was actually last seen beginning her jog running down the street that she lived on. 17 days later, her body was found in a retention pond in the area of the killing fields. According to Reefs, he claimed that initially he had accidentally hit Laura Smither in his car on a rainy day. He didn't mean to. He freaked out. He's already had jail time. He hit her body. Question. Initially, yes. If it was a rainy day, why was she going for a jog? A lot of people still go out on runs on rainy days. I think he's a liar. I mean, I know you're right. My aunt does like long distance jogging and I don't know, somehow she finds it relaxing. I don't get it. But like, I just, I think he's a dirty liar and I hope they destroy him in prison. I mean, he would also go on to admit to strangling her to death later too. So, you know. Ugh. Okay. Next is Kelly, Kelly Cox, who died July 15th, 1997. According to Reese, he had been on his way home when he stopped to buy whiskey at a gas station, which, by the way, that blows my mind that there are gas stations that can sell whiskey. Because I'm not in a state where that can happen. I mean, like, to my knowledge, I think in Alabama they can sell liquor, but, like, not good liquor, not strong liquor. I think it's, like maybe a couple dollars and it's probably very very weak but then again here in arkansas we literally have drive-through liquor stores so yeah so the drive-through liquor store is not as crazy to me um mostly because i think there's at least one in utah um but it's more the fact that like we can buy beer at like a grocery store and at the gas stations but whiskey what what state was this again it's texas Maybe it's allowed there. Like, I imagine, like, in New Orleans, you can buy literally anything anywhere. Like, I think the kids on the side of the street selling lemonade is hard lemonade. They spike it with mama's vodka. (laughs) That's why they charge $20 for it. And I would buy it. Homemade (laughs) uh, hard lemonade. Yes. Thank you, little Susie. Have a great day. I mean, whatever, whatever. I mean, I guess... I guess it shouldn't really surprise me that much. Maybe it's just because it's not really. So in Vegas, you can buy liquor at like Walgreens, CVS on the strip. That's weird to me too, but I'm just not used to it. Oh, okay. I'm not either, obviously. Anyways, um, Reese basically said he got into a physical confrontation with Kelly and she was 20 years old at the time. Let's keep that in mind. 20 years old. This is 1997. He's almost 40. Anyways, he claimed that at the time he uh, strangled her and left her body in the woods where she was recovered. 
And that's that's his side of the story there. For Tiffany Johnston, she died on July 26, 1997. Reese claimed to have stopped at a car wash, car wash to clean his truck, and he accidentally sprayed Tiffany Johnston. Don't know how that comes into play with anything, because... She goes on to say there are no witnesses, so he claimed to have grabbed her, dragged her into his trailer where he would rape her at gunpoint. He would then proceed to strike her over the head with a horseshoe, and he would admit to strangling her and putting her body in the woods off the side of the road. I still feel like he's just full of shit, because where do you, how do, how do these events align? Oh, I accidentally sprayed her, and then I just had to abduct her. (laughs) What? Um, I, yeah, I don't know either. I just was like, okay, whatever. He's such a skis. Yeah, he's not my favorite. He's slimy. Yeah, and then the last one is Jessica Kane on August 17th, 1997. I don't know if you've been listening to the dates here. I feel like there's a lot in 97. They're all 97. Laura Smithers, April 3rd. Kelly Cox, July 15th. Tiffany Johnstone, July 26th, Jessica Kane, um, August 17th. And all of these are after he's gotten out of prison, right? Uh-huh. So he's just like man Within like two years out of prison type thing. So yeah, he's, he's like out of his mind. He's, yeah, he's fucking insane. Well, Jessica, she was 17 years old at the time. She had last been seen at a restaurant near the Baybrook Mall. She'd been out with friends at about 1.30 in the morning, which, by the way, 17 years at 1.30 in the morning, my parents, over their dead bodies, if I was out that late. I would probably have the cops called on me. <laughs> exactly. 1,000%. Right. She is reported missing when her father finds their truck abandoned. Um, 19 years after her disappearance, her remains were found in the Texas killing fields. Part of the map that they drew so that they discovered her. Uh, according to Reese, he had approached her outside of this restaurant and she refused him. Bro, she is 17 and you're almost 40 fucking years old. And you're disgusting. Like, you're Ye- ugly. Yeah. And, well, ugh. her rejection pissed him off. Oh. Because the little bitch boy over here, he tailed her vehicle until she was forced to stop and confront him. And he confessed to beating and strangling her. Now, of all the confessions, the only one he admit to having any sexual motive or any anything like that was that of Tiffany Johnston. I kind of called BS on that. I think he just didn't want, want people to think that he had raped all, all of these women when I think he did. He's, he didn't want to go to jail as a pedophile. Right. I mean, he still went to jail as a pedophile. But anyways, he was asked if he was involved in any other murders in the surrounding areas. And he insisted, not involved with any of the other tex- Texas killing field murders, not me. So he he was a prime suspect. Um, he was extradited because he was arrested in Texas. So he was extradited from Texas to Oklahoma in July 2016 to stand trial for the murder of Tiffany Johnstone. Correction, he was already in prison in Texas for Sandra. So he was already there. So he's extradited from Texas to Oklahoma in July 2016. He would waive his, waive his right to a speedy trial, and trial would begin on April 21st, 2017. Reese's defense team, those tricky little bastards, would file for a move of venue due to asbestos in the building. 
Oh my god. It was investigated and granted, so I guess tricky little bastards were right about something. Yeah, but if anybody deserves asbestos as him. But also for the um for like the lawyers and stuff, they're just doing their job and they're like, well, I don't want asbestos either. Like, pff, bye. Then put him in the room and everybody just open all the windows and everybody <laughs> else carry on outside. <laughs> Anyways. Um so that was granted. So that did put the trial on hold and it then gets put on hold until June 2019. And then the trial is again postponed due to COVID. COVID kind of fucked everything up, right? Now, before trial officially resumed in Oklahoma, Texas law officials do make a statement that they would be extraditing Reese back to Texas after the Oklahoma trial to face the charges for the murder of the three additional victims in Texas. Trial did resume again in May 2021. Present during trial was Tiffany Johnston's family, the law enforcement officers involved, Sandra Sepaw, two other girls who claimed that Reese had kidnapped and raped them. And on May 28th, 2022, he was found, nope, on May 28th, 2021, he was found guilty on all counts of the, for Tiffany Johnston. Thank God. His defense team did try to advocate for an acquittal, basically saying that Oklahoma law enforcement broke their plea deal arrangement. And Oklahoma officials basically said that he had given police partially false information in his confession and failed to disclose his true motives and accurate details. And on August 19th, 2021, Reese was officially sentenced to death by the Oklahoma County District Court. Get wrecked. So he is on death row. Just two days before this conviction, though, or this uh, this sentence, he was also charged with possessing prohibited items in jail. Please officials, tell me we know what they are. Officials had searched his cell and found a cell phone. I don't know what was on it, but they found a cell phone. How the hell did he get a cell phone in there? Somebody, Podfather, how does this happen? Is it, this happen is Podfather? It, is, it, is it the booty hole? Is it That's, the booty hole? Okay, but... Or is it like one? Phones are huge in 2021. Maybe he had a, an old school like flip phone. Uh, like it's got to be the the booty, right? Is I don't booty? know. Or is it like is it a twisted cop or what is it? A twisted guard? Like what's ha- what's that? How? I don't I don't know. I, I have no know. clue. Anyways, yeah, charged with having forbidden items. Anyways, he is extradited to stand trial in Texas in early 2022. He pled guilty to the murders and would be sentenced to life in prison in June of 2022. From what I could find, he is still alive in prison and on death row from the Oklahoma charges. I try not to wish death on people. I try to be a good person. Okay. But like, if something were to happen to him, wouldn't really feel bad. Just saying. Wouldn't be too torn up about it? No, no, not at all. Not even shed a tear. Wouldn't even, I don't even think I would just, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, if if y'all want to do something about that. Yeah, if you guys hear us, we're not... I mean, he's on death row, as far as I'm concerned, but... Now, out of the 30-plus victims, only five of them have seen justice for their murders. And there are... There are not a lot of theories out there for the other victims. Um, Some people say it's the work of multiple serial killers, one serial killer. It just... It depends. 
Now, I do have a list of the victims, their age, the date they disappeared, and the day their body was discovered. That's a long list, so buckle in. Okay. Brenda, Brenda Jones, age 14, last seen July 1st, 1971. Her body was discovered July 2nd, 1971. Colette Wilson, 13, went missing June 17th, 1971, discovered November 26th, 1971. Rhonda Johnson, 14, she was last seen on August 4th, 1971, discovered January 3rd, 1972. Sharon Shaw, 13, August 4th, 1971, January 3rd, 72. Rhonda and Sharon were best friends. Oh, God. Gloria Gonzalez, age 19, October 28th, 1971. Her body was discovered November 23rd, 1971. Allison Craven, 12 years old, November 9th, 71. She was discovered February 25th, 1972. Debbie uh, Ackerman. Age 15, November 15th, 1971 is when she was last seen. She was discovered November 17th, 1971. And then Debbie's best friend, Maria Johnson, age 15, also disappeared November 15th, 1971 and discovered November 17th, 71. Kimberly Pitchford, age 16, January 3rd, 1973, uh, discovered January 5th, 1973. Susan, Suzanne Bowers, age 12, Discovered or missing May 21st, 1977. Discovered March 25th, 1979. Brooks Bracewell, age 12, September 6th, 1974 is when she was last seen. Her body was discovered April 3rd, 1981. Georgia Greer, age 14, disappeared December September 6th, 1974. Um, found April 3rd, 1981. For Brooks and Georgia, I didn't see if they were friends, but they did have the same last seen date and the uh, discovery date as well. Michelle Garvey, age 15. She wa- went missing June 1st, 1982. Found July 1st, 1982. Sandra Ramber, age 14. October 26, 1983. Her body has not been discovered. I don't know how that's attributed to the killing fields. Don't ask. Heidi Fye, 23, October 10th, 1983, is when she disappeared. Her remains were found on April 4th, 1984. Laura Miller, age 16, went missing September 10th, 1984, found fe- uh, February 2nd, 1986. Audrey Cook, 30 years old, December of 1985 is when she was last seen. Her body was discovered February 2nd, 1986. Shelly Sykes, age 19, which we've already talked about her. Her body still has not been discovered, but she did go missing on May 24th, 1986. If you missed anything about Shelly Sykes, it's on the last episode. Suzanne Renee Richardson, 22 years old, went missing October 7th, 1988. Her body has yet to be discovered. Donna Prudhomme, age 34, last seen was in 1991. Her body was... Discovered September 8th, 1991. Lynette Bibbs, age 14, February 1st, 1996. She was discovered February 3rd, 1996. Tamara Fisher, age 15. She was also February 1st, 1996 and February 3rd, 1996. Crystal Baker, age 13, March 5th was when she was last seen of 96. She was also discovered on March 5th of 1996. Laura Smither, age 12. uh, She went missing on April 3rd, 1997. Was discovered April 20th, 1997. Jessica Kane, age 17, 17, August 17th, 1997, 
discovered March 18th, 2016. Ta- Harriman? Harriman. Harriman. I don't know if it's Harriman or Harriman. Uh, 57 July 12th, 2001, but I don't have a discovery date for his body. Uh, Sarah Trustee, 23 July 12th, 2002 is when she was last seen. She was discovered July 27th, 2002. Teresa uh, Vengas, age 16, October 31st, 2006, discovered November 3rd, 2006. And that's the list I have. I don't, I don't even know what to say right now. Is is hard. Can we like? Can we put put something here? Like anything? Can we put something on this field? I believe it's owned by a local church now, or at least part of it. Um, but it's not like the greatest area for buildings, from what I could find. I mean, so. Oh my god. I don't even know what to say. I'm like speechless. It's it's a lot. And only out of all of those, only five have seen justice. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, definitely not easy to say the least. And did you notice that there seemed to be like a lot of sets of friends in that as well? Yes. Um he seemed to target a lot of friends, which would kind of make sense because I'm not going to get in anybody's car. I don't know ever, but this was the seventies. Like hitchhiking was normal back then. Right. <laughs> and you know, back then I am much more likely to feel safer if I have a friend with me. So mm-hmm. I get that. Um, but I also feel like there's gotta be more. Cause I feel like he was just immediately like boom, 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 back to back from the get go. Yeah. So he's not exactly my favorite. And I just double checked some of my notes and the ones for the most part, the ones that disappeared on the same day and found on the same day were typically friends. So that goes for Brooks Bracewell and Georgia Greer. They were friends. Um, Lynette Bibbs and Tamara Fisher were friends. Um Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson were friends. And then Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw were friends. Like, there's a lot of sets of young girls here. What a dirty piece of crap. Whoever did it. We don't know on all of them. So I know I really led you to believe that 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 was the end of the convictions, right? With William Reese. Oh, God. Is this this random guy here? No. Uh, Well, I was looking at theories. I did find that there was a conviction in the murders for Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. However, I'm going to cover this case separately. I'm sorry. And it's part of this is just due to time restraints. I don't want to spend all day going over this case. Um, So I'm going to actually do this in the next episode. So not next episode. This is not three parts. So next episode, I will still be doing paranormal, but the one after that. So in two episodes. So part of the reason why I want to cover this in a different episode is because there's enough sources that state that, yeah, there might have been a confession received. It possibly was coerced by police at the time. And it's enough that I think you would all appreciate a separate episode for it. And other people have taken responsibility for their murders. 
So there is a lot, there's a lot of convoluted things. So that is why I'm sorry. I did not realize that this one led to a conviction. Okay. Around the same page now. Upset. Um, <clears throat> but yes, I mean, if I get a good story out of it, I get, I mean, if you can call this a good story, I don't really know. If you get an informative story out of it. Gotcha. Thank you. Yes. That's much better. Um, okay. Well, Got regardless it. of what I said for the Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw, I'm still going to tell you this as a theory, so you can all get pumped for the nonsense on my next true crime, which is in two episodes. But the first theory or the believed man that murdered the two girls are Michael Lloyd's self, and it is believed that he killed Rhonda and Sharon, possibly responsible for more. So after Rhonda and Sharon were found missing, Self was actually interrogated for hours and he would go on to confess to the crimes. He was able to help locate both Rhonda's and Sharon's bodies, but he did retract his confession, claiming he had been tortured into confessing. Regardless, he was still convicted of killing both Shaw and Johnson and received a life imprisonment. There were some significant discrepancies in his confession, but despite all of that, all of his, his conviction was upheld even though he appealed it several times. Self would die in prison in December of 2000. So again, I'm going to cover this in my next true crime and not this next episode, but the next one. Okay, two episodes. So what are we on? 62? This will be 64. Hey, I'm really interested to hear this one because I want to, like, that doesn't make sense in my head. Um, Just the fact that, like, okay, like, okay, you know what? I get it. Not all cops are great. It happens. Sometimes it, you may have very well been tortured into this, but you still led them to bodies. Let's just say from what I could find, the interrogating officer is definitely not a police officer anymore. Well, that's interesting. Yep. So a lot of people say that he's guilty. He helped like what you're saying. They, he helped guide them to the bodies, but other are saying he's, innocent like other people that are more likely to have killed these girls have actually admit to having killed these girls and so there's that very big divide right there and there's so many that believe that self was wrongly convicted that after his death police officials would come out and state their belief that self was wrongly convicted okay guys where were you (laughs) before like thank you for coming out now but come on this man died in prison what the hell i yes i know um not exactly super super helpful well the next theory is edward harrell bell have you ever heard of him all right well don't think so he's gonna be another story that we can do a deep dive on um not today because again i i'm trying to be aware of the time that we have So, Bell is a sex offender, a murderer, and he was the first fugitive to be featured in the Texan rendition of America's Most Wanted. Uh, Why did I not know that was a thing? I did not know either, but it was real exciting to learn. In the 1970s, police did identify Bell as a suspect for different Texas killing field murders. He was known at the time as an exhibitionist. He had been arrested at least 12 times on charges of showing his his little pee-pee to children. 
Okay. How do you make it to 12? I don't know. How does this happen? All the articles I said were like, no one knows how he avoided imprisonment, but he avoided imprisonment. God, that's at least 12 kids, guys. We gotta be better about this. He even knew two of the victims, Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson. Both of the girls would frequent the surf shop that Bell was a silent partner in. Uh, he was not silent enough. He accurate. There are two more victims, Brooke Bracewell and Georgia Gear, who were last seen near where Bell lived. And I believe that their bodies were also found where Bell lived, but it's not on my notes, even though I thought I added it. Sorry. In 1987, Bell was masturbating in the street in front of a group of teenage girls. And this caused former Marine Larry Dickin to confront Bell while Dickin's mother called the police. Hell yeah, Dickin, Larry. Right. Dickens took the keys from Bell's vehicle and he was not returning them. He's like, you sick pervert. No, you're staying here until police get here. Hell yeah, Dickens. <clears throat> In retaliation, Bell would kill Dickens and flee. Oh my God. He was apprehended later by police, but he was able to post Bell and was released. To further avoid conviction, Bell would flee the U.S. and he would evade police for more than two decades. In 1993, he was arrested in Panama and extradited back to the U.S., where he was convicted of Dickens' murder and sentenced to 70 years in prison. In 1998, Bell had written several letters to police confessing to the murders of a total of five girls in 1971 and six between the years 1974 and 1977. Bell did not know the names of his victims. At least he didn't know most of them. He did, however, confess to the murder of Debbie Ackerman, Maria Johnson, Colette Wilson, Kimberly Pitchford, and two others that would be identified as Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw. He has not been charged with these murders since no evidence was recovered that would incriminate him. He remains a prime sus or he remained a prime suspect until his death in April of 2019. This is another one that I really, really feel like could have been avoided some way, somehow. At the very least, I feel like Larry, you said it was Dickerson or Dickinson? Dickens. Dickens, excuse me. I really feel that Larry Dickens should not have died. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, what if I'm really unhappy right now. Um, yep, because Dickens didn't need to die and those girls didn't need to see his meaner. No. Um, but that's just my opinion, I guess. It's sad that, like, I'm, I'm happy he stood up for him, for the girls, but mm -hmm. that's what it took to stop this man. Yep. Yep. And he definitely is just a piece of doo-doo. I also don't understand, like, I don't understand a lot about bail, okay? I'm gonna go out and say it, I don't get it. But you've been arrested at least 12 times, and then you kill a man that's trying to get you arrested again, basically, and you get bail? Uh, yeah, I didn't understand that, mostly because, I don't know, was it because they weren't gonna be charging him with first degree? Is it because it would have been, like, uh, charged as more of a homicide than a murder? Like, that's that's where I think the fine line is, you know, like, I think they were probably charging him with 
I'm sure they were charging him with murder, but what degree and what were their laws at the time to show that he could get bail and have those since changed? Hopefully, like, I do I, agree with you. Like, it's probably a fine line and I feel like it might need to be boldened, bolded a tad. Yeah. Ugh. Well, this was freaking depressing. Thank you for your oh. time. Oh, I'm not done. Ah! Oh, there, cause there's more theories. Oh God. Okay. Let's keep the, going. The next theory is Mark Stallings in 2013. Mark Stallings was a convicted kidnapper serving a life term. He confessed to killing a girl in 1991 and later leaving her body in the field. And this identified, or they identified this as Donna Prudhomme. And at the time of the murder, Stallings was living in the area and was near the home of some of the girls who went missing. So they know that he lived there. He lived near some of the girls that did go missing. Um, his testimony showed a lot of consistencies and details, but he's not been charged with any murders at this time. He does remain a suspect for the murders of Donna Rudholm and Audrey Cook. Uh, as well as two unrelated murders to the killing fields, but in the same area in Texas. So he's still a suspect. He's in jail. He's in prison. So he's not out and about. But this next one might piss you off. <clears throat> Actually, let's... Yeah, let's do this next one. Okay. Uh, the next one is Clyde Hedrick. He was actually named as a suspect in a 2022 documentary crime scene, Texas Killing Fields. If you guys have time to watch it, it is like a little mini series with three episodes. So it's like four hours of your time. It's pretty good. He was released from jail in 2021 after serving eight years for the death of Ellen Beeson in 1984. Keep that in the back of your head. He's out of jail. Eight years? He served eight years, yeah. That doesn't feel like a lot, but okay. <laughs> um, they The laws changed, something happened, and it was like a mandated, like they didn't have a choice. They had to release him. So anytime he had done an appeal, um, he had been denied. But when it came to the actual, um, to the actual law, and when he was released, they, it was man mandatory. They didn't have a choice. Now, he might have been released, but in at least one statement, he stated he had murdered four to five women. Oh. Uh, some of these were from jailhouse snitches. Um, he said them to just, he's a dick. Let's just keep it at that. This little mini series that I just mentioned focuses on four of the girls that had disappeared. Uh, the victims of that one are collectively known as the Calder Road, Calder Road victims. And that is Laura Miller, Heidi Fye, Jane Doe. In 2019, she was identified as Audrey Lee Cook. And then there was a Janet Doe that in 2019 was also identified as Donna Prudhomme. Three or four of the victims, nope, three of the four victims were found 50 yards from where the other bodies were in the course of two years. So three of these victims, their bodies were discovered in a two-year period, 50 yards from where another one was. Like, that's, that's really close. Yeah. The fourth was found 100 yards away from the other three. So it's speculated that maybe it wasn't the same person, but like a copycat. Um, or maybe it was the same person and just got lost or didn't have time to go all the way to where the other four were, th three were found. Still feel like that's close too. Right? 
Uh, Clyde was known to be very dominant. He had a history of abuse and sexual assault, uh, so much so that his stepdaughter and ex-wife found that he had been peeping and assaulting his stepdaughter. Oh, my God. From what I understood, he would drug and assault his stepdaughter while she was drugged out. He just was overall not described as a good person. Like, not a good person. And many believe that Clyde had the time, he had the opportunity, and he was more than capable of killing people. And police have not officially crossed him off the list, but they have never found enough evidence to convict him. He was convicted for the murder, uh, or for the death of Ellen Beeson. Again, he was released in 2021. And in Ellen Beeson's case, he basically said, we went swimming, we went skinny dipping, she drowned, I panicked. Like, I didn't want to go back to jail, and he hid her body. And when Ellen's friends would be like, where the hell is Ellen? He finally snapped at one of her friends and actually took this friend to Ellen's body, which he had hidden. So there she is. And this friend took several months to report it in fear that he would do the same thing to her. Yeah, now, I get that. Evidence for Ellen shows that she likely didn't drown. She had a very severe skull fracture and they said there is no way she bumped her head this was someone intentionally hitting her that hard so the families of the girls are very much advocating to get him back in prison they do want charges brought against him but from what i could find there's just not the evidence to do that like they can't they just they can't just convict him they need evidence behind it and they don't have it so that's the dingleberry that you see in the other picture. Uh, the next theory was an interesting one. And I kind of threw this in because I thought it was just very a random theory. But we took it. And that was actually uh, the theory that it was Robert Abel. And Robert Abel was a NASA scientist who lived near where the Calder Road victims were found. Like so close that his property basically was right there. Yeah. Okay. He fit the FBI profile better than Clyde Hedrick is what some said. Um, he was known to be abusive towards animals, but there was no evidence to tie him to these murders. At least one of his three ex-wives claimed that he was abusive and when denied or abusive specifically when denied naughty time, basically saying like you owe it to me. Some say um, that. Yeah. I'm not saying they owed it to him. That was him, oh, no. okay? No, I get that. I was just going to be like, you're gross. Yes. Um, he denies any of that. He's like, that's not, I never did that. I never said that, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course he does. I bet he has the biggest penis in the world, too. Well, I don't know. Uh, some say that any involvement he had, because he would, like, volunteer, and he was, like, kind of in there trying to help police, and that kind of came across as, Came across, as, came across as suspicious to the police. But some are like, well, he was a NASA scientist. His brain worked differently than ours. And I don't, a lot of people said they think he was trying to help discover answers and not that he was watching or looking at it as if it were trophies. Okay. Okay. I get that. But also, I work at a bank. That doesn't mean I'm going to count the money of the person in front of me at the grocery store. Listen, he did cooperate. His home was searched for any evidence of trophies or anything like that. And police might have found some weird things, but they didn't find anything to incriminate him. So if they didn't find anything, then 
I can't say anything bad about him. Yeah. Legally. Well, for a really long time, um, Laura Miller's family was like, it is this able character. It's him. It's him. It's him. And then they kind of started learning about Clyde Hedrick and they realized, oh, it's probably not able. And actually, uh, Miller's father would go on to say that he kind of had like a heart to heart with Abel, kind of apologized for making him public enemy number one, basically. Um, but Abel has since passed away. He was never officially removed as a suspect, but most people at this point don't believe it was Robert Abel. They do think it was um, Clyde who most likely did it. He does look like a saggy turd. Uh, he's the worst. And really, other than that, there aren't a lot of theories that are super legitimate. Like, I saw some crazy theories that were like, oh, it was, um, someone tried to say Ted Bundy, and I'm like, uh, Bundy wasn't in that area. He was busy doing his own thing, which, hello. But anyways, there was a lot of really weird theories that I dismissed. Um, so many of these deaths in the field are still a mystery. There are some that have no evidence and others that have very minimal evidence. But overall, there is no evidence to link anyone definitively to their murders. So as I said earlier, there is the last case that I did not know about until I was reading about the theories. Uh, There is the last case for Rhonda and Sharon Shaw, um, or Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw, that I will cover in my next true crime. I am not doing three parts. Because I need a break from true crime. But that's the information I could dig up on different theories. It's still like all of the theories, all of the convictions. It's still wild to me that so many supposed different people can use this little patch of land for the same horrible thing. I I don't know how people can do it. It's not that little. I mean, it's a pretty large stretch of area, but it's okay. still yeah, what was I, it? 25 acres or something like that? Yeah, I guess I, sh- I mean that's like a that could very easily be a park. Uh Yeah. But it's I guess it's just wild to me like it shows that these people think differently yet possibly similarly. Just not like non-murderers i guess would think yeah basically they're crappy people is what we're saying yeah so anyways you're welcome there's my first two-part episode i hate you hope you don't hate me Uh, okay cool less than like you at the moment you always love me though and that's what counts Yeah, but you just make it so damn hard sometimes. I make it very hard to like me. I know. Trust me. I Uh know. Anyways. Well, I got distracted and did not get a picture of this place. Jesus Christ. It's okay. I have one. You'll have it momentarily. Well, it's not on there when I get on. There are pictures of Reese. Uh, what's his face, Clyde? Uh, the victims that I could find, and then there's also like a map that kind of shows where some of the victims were found, just at least close to where they were found. So there's so many. There's so many. Right. So yeah, um, we'll get those posted. Um, it's just things. 
it's even like it's already chilling but when you look at the map it just like it's even worse because yes. i don't think that's all of them either it's just such a visual to go along with it that it's just oh my god it's it's one of the most unsettling things i think you've ever done so thanks for that i guess I'm trying to get up to your level of unsettling Look, I haven't done any cannibals in a very long time, okay? You're right, you have not, but that doesn't mean you won't. That oh, doesn't I'm mean that you find one. <laughs> the hell? Doesn't mean you're not thinking about it, okay? I'm thinking about it a little harder right now, I'll tell you that much. So. Well. All right. I'm ready for something less horrifying. Thank God, because I got it. Okay. <laughs> So I started doing a story and then I saved it for later and started doing another one because I feel like we haven't had a good haunting in a while. We're so we're such cryptid freaks that we don't we do hauntings very often. And I was not doing a cryptid, so a UFO. Yeah. We'll see. I was as doing something. As long as it's not the Varinga Varinga UFO incident. I've already called dips. I don't know what that is, but mine isn't even on there, so I need to put it on there, but now I can't because you'll know what it is. So I will um, forget in an hour, don't worry <laughs> about it. <laughs> so I ended up I wanted a really juicy haunting. And boy have I got one. This is the Shanley Hotel. The first time I said it, it was Shanley. No, that's not who we're talking about. We're talking about the Shanley Hotel. So this is the Shanley Hotel. If you were to Google it, it would come up as the Haunted Shanley Hotel because the current owners just lean right on into that mess. Uh, well, might as well, right? I mean, they're like, it is what it is. Let's go for it. Because this has been called the one, oh God, it is considered one of the most terrifyingly haunted places in New York. And one source called it the most haunted on the entire East Coast. Oh, that so, source is not messing around. That source is like, no, for reals. Yeah, and it was not the Shanley website, just so you know. It was a separate one. Oh. Oops. Okay. It's been in a couple different paranormal shows, uh, one of which being Ghost Hunters. Love some Ghost Hunters. Uh, could not find that episode for whatever reason, but it's there somewhere. So You just didn't try hard enough? Probably. I don't know. Do I, I need try, to look? Because I'm pretty good at locating them somehow. I don't know how I do it, but... I tried all of our numerous subscription, and it wasn't on any of them. Season 2, episode 22. Yeah. Could not find it. Uh, well, Found let me it. rephrase. Could not find a way to watch it. Oh, okay. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. But it is, this hotel is located on 56 Main Street in Napanock, New York. Uh, you have to sign waivers to stay the night here. It is so haunted. No, thank you. If I've got to sign a waiver, I'm out. If you do stay the night here, uh, it comes with a complimentary ghost hunt from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. led by staff. Now, that also means that if you are staying in one of the rooms that you are going to investigate on this ghost hunt. That means your door has to stay open until 1 a.m. After oh, never that. Mind. Yeah. I don't know if I can make it that late anymore, y'all. 
I know for sure I cannot. <laughs> After 1 a.m., you can either go to your room and sleep with your new ghost friend, or you can continue to roam by yourself. Okay. And the hotel gives you flashlights, EMF meters, vibration balls, temperature sensors, and frequency scanners. So they're like, here's your ghosty go bag. Run along. Okay. Yeah, they, like when I said they are like full send into this, they're like, let's go. They were like, we're not playing. We're doing this. We mean it. Exactly. Yeah. Here, take our stuff. I would assume, please don't break it. I mean, I guess. Just also, just kidding on the, um, that one showed me the episode for the Stanley Hotel. Yeah, I so, kept running into that too. Hey, just so you know, I was wrong. I would not have known if you wouldn't have said something. So thank you for your honesty. Well, for anyone that was listening to me, it was it wasn't correct. But continue, please. <laughs> The Shanley Hotel is actually the second hotel on this property. The first one was built in 1845 by Thomas Rich, and it was aptly named the Rich Hotel. And it had this prime location on the main street in Napanon. It was bought and sold a few times before it burned down in 1895. This fire destroyed the entire building. But... They had a new one built and open to guests within a few months. Damn. Yeah, they were serious, which kind of makes sense because it's on Main Street. Like, they were like, no, we got to get this back up. We got to get our money. Like, we can't lose out on. Yeah, I guess I get that. So James Lewis Shanley was an Irish immigrant, immigrant, and he bought the property in 1906 and he moved in. He added a barn-like extension, which you can see, to the back of the building, which was used as a barber shop. And later on, it would also be used as a gentleman's quarters for a... What? I was just saying a gentleman's quarters. Yes. Um, not sure exactly what that was. Uh, but later on, the second floor was made into a bordello, and it had something to do with that. So... It was it was a saucy room, okay? That room, that little barn-like looking thing, is also said to be one of the most haunted rooms in the hotel. And you can rent that room, and it comes with five beds. So, if if you got a lot of people staying... I and, guess? And you don't mind some ghosty haunties, then the gentleman's quarters is for you. In 1910, James married Beatrice Rowley at the hotel... And she moved in, and they started building their life together. Beatrice was actually friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, who stayed at the hotel multiple times because they were besties, apparently. And there's actually a room dedicated to her, the Roosevelt room. Well, to her and her husband. You know, no big deal, the president. And when the Shanleys, Shanleys later got in trouble for serving bootleg liquor during Prohibition, The Roosevelt's helped them clear their name and keep their business because they were raided. Um, I'll get to that a little later, but they were raided and, you know, friends in high places. Thomas Edison was also said to have stayed at the hotel. And in the great room, they still have photos hanging of Edison and Eleanor. Okay. 
in the years since the Shanley House has been opened, it has seen some trauma. The Shanleys themselves had three children. Their firstborn was a little girl named Kathleen. She was born January 6, 1912, but she died just shy of six months old. James William, or excuse me, James Shanley Jr. was born next, but he lived only about four and a half months. And then William Shanley was their last child who passed away at nine months old. Oh. Mrs. Shanley is said to, or is thought to be the woman seen wandering the halls in period dress. And guests report smelling perfume. And she was known for her fragrant perfume. It was said to just smell really good. It was very expensive. Miss Shanley, she was also known to have dressed very fashionably, even though at the time, Napanock was not a big town. Okay. So they think this, this fashion lady uh, roaming the hallways is Mrs. Shanley looking for her children. Oh, sad. The hotel did have a barber. Like I said, the barber's name was Peter Greger. And he lived there with his wife and two daughters, Rosie and Florence. One day, three-year-old Rosie wandered to a nearby farm. From what I read, it was across the street. And she was looking into this covered well. And as she was peering into it, she fell in, hit her head on the rocks on the way down, and died on impact. Aww. It was also said that Rosie's father, when they eventually found her, his father was so heartbroken that he packed up their new life and took his family back to Brooklyn, where they were from. Okay. Rosie is said to still haunt the hotel, one of many goes to haunt the hotel. She likes to hear hide and seek, and guests, when they hear giggling and children's playing, they assume that it is Rosie or one of the other children that is said to haunt the hotel. I don't like it. Children ghosts. Like, I know we've said it before, but it's just, they're creepier for some reason. I don't, I just don't like any of it. I especially don't want to play hide and seek with a child ghost. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're great. Um, but that's scary. I can't see you. So it's just a hide. It's just that's a fair. hide and I can't find you. Um, Hide and hope for the best. Um, you go hide and I'm going to leave. Um, how about you don't tell me what to do? (laughs) Okay. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. In 1914, Dr. Walter Nelsis Thayer Jr. lived next door with his family. And he was backing his car out of the alley between his home and the hotel. When he accidentally backed over his five-year-old son, Walter Nelson Thayer III, while Walter was playing in the alley. How do you accidentally back over your child? Um, well, in 1914, I can only imagine it was a rather large car. And the alley is not large. Okay, I'll, uh, I guess I'll stop thinking about it in 19, or in the 2020s. I don't think about think, it. 1950. I don't think in 1914 they had the backup cameras or the like beep beep. There's a bicycle back there. Thanks. I'm just thinking 1915 area. 
you still got to look at your surroundings, right? Oh, absolutely. But I don't know how many mirrors they had on their cars. Did they just like zoom out of the driveway? Probably, actually. I think that's exactly what they did. In 1914, they did not have brakes. They only had forward and reverse. I mean, wow. I will say that luckily, little Walter Nelson Thayer III did not die. He suffered near fatal head trauma. However, Mm. they believe that he still haunts the house. And they believe him to be a young male ghost that they call Jonathan. Not really sure why they call him Jonathan if they know or believe him to be Walter Nelson Nelson Thayer III. Yeah, I was just about to say, Um, if they suspect who he is, why are we calling him Jonathan? Maybe he, like, changed his name. He, like, didn't like his name and he's like, call me Jonathan. He was like, I was named after my dad and he ran me over, so please call me Jonathan. I would much prefer it. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I'm not really sure why. That's just the information that I read in multiple places. I read it. You got it. Do with it what you will. I'm going to complain about it. Okay. Perfect. So Shanley's sister-in-law, Esther, also lived at the hotel. And Mrs. Shanley was reportedly very close with her sister. They lived in apartments right next to one another in the hotel. However... Esther was not the happiest she could have been at the hotel. She missed her family and her friends in, I believe she was from New York City. But the reports on that varied. So wherever she was from, she really missed her family and friends. And she was said to basically sit by the phone some days waiting for them to call her. Oh. Sad. They believe that this led her to haunt the second floor after she died in 1918 of influenza. Sad. She just wanted her buddies. It gets sadder. Stop it. Um, You thought my story was horrible. In 1919, one year later, Her Esther's husband and Shanley's brother-in-law, Andrew, died a year later at the age of 49. Now, I mean, I guess some good come of this. They were said to have children. One source I read that they had two girls. After their parents died, the Shanleys did raise the girls. And it's thought that they could also contribute to the giggling and the children's laughter that you hear in the hotel. Oh, that's so much better. I mean, it's not, but at least they weren't put, I mean, in the early 1900s, at least they weren't sent to an orphanage. Fair. I'll give you that one. Uh, People claim to see Andrew peering at them through the windows. I don't like that one. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. In the 1920s, the second floor was converted to a brothel where they sold bootleg liquor during Prohibition. Awesome. Fun. Yeah. They kept the liquor in a trap door, hidden in a trap door, uh, on the first floor. But it was raided in 1932. And this is when the Roosevelt's helped them kind of clear their name and somehow keep their business. 
also during uh, around this time, there were two girls believed to have been named Anna and Maddie, and they worked at the brothel. And both are said to haunt the rooms that used to be theirs. People see full body apparitions. They caught an EVP while trying to talk to her that said, I'm with a client. Which I just kind of love because she's just like, shut up. Stop saying my I'm name. I'm busy. busy. I'm, I'm at work. Busy. Calm it down, guys. <sighs> Say my name one more time. I mean, damn. She was not messing around. She's like, what do you want? I'm trying to make my money. Calm down. I don't come to Walmart and talk to you while you're ringing up my groceries. Okay. How freaking dare you? It's also said that men can usually get attention from these ladies a little easier than men, or excuse me, a little easier than women. So if you, a lot of times if you're a man and you're on the investigations, they'll kind of urge you to go into these rooms either by yourself or with other men. Oh, they're like, don't go in alone, go in with the men. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like you and me, no, she don't want to talk to you. Our husbands, yeah, go right on in. Go on in. broad. They're also said to communicate intelligently with flashlights. They get a lot of intelligent responses when they use flashlights in one of these two rooms. Okay. On August 26th of 1937, James Lewis Shanley died of a heart attack. Miss Shanley kept the hotel open until 1944, and it changed hands a few more times before it closed and was abandoned in... Either 1991 or 1992, sources varied on that, but it was bought again in 2005. Salvatore Nicosia bought the hotel and he moved in with his cat. Keep that in mind. He reopened the hotel. (gasps) Ghost kitty? He reopened the hotel in 2007 and ran until his death in 2016. In December of 2017, The hotel was condemned and closed after a combination of mixed reviews and poor management, but it was bought in 2018, and it was reopened under new management, and as far as I can tell, it hasn't been opened ever since. Okay. So, there are other reports that I have not mentioned yet. People report hearing phantom clocks chiming, footsteps whistling, which is just, I don't want to hear a ghost whistle. I can't whistle. Huh, that's... Joke's on you. I didn't hear that. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'll do they it later. They also hear talking and singing, which is also just, I didn't know how creepy that was until I read it. Just a ghost singing. They hear food, or they hear, they smell food being prepared when there isn't any, which honestly, that would piss me off. If I smell bacon at 3 a.m. and there's no midnight bacon, I'm going to be pissed. You're going to be like, where the fuck is my bacon, bitch? You said a continental breakfast. I smell it and it's not here. I know it's only one in the morning, but where's my freaking bacon? Look, we just finished searching, hunting for ghosts. I worked up an appetite. I really want a BLT. I'm hungry. Okay. Just help me out here. Help a girl out. They hear the scratching of furniture being moved. Nope. They feel cold spots throughout the hotel and on the front porch. The front porch is like known 
for its cold spots. Nope. <laughs> so if you ever get hot, you got a hot flash or something like that, just walk on out to the front porch. The ghost will take care of you. Deal. But it is also noted, um, maybe not spend too much time on the front porch because people say they feel very uneasy out there. So you're either sweating or you're uneasy. It's up to you. I don't like either. People see full-bodied apparitions in clothing ranging from the 20s to the 60s. Which is a range. And I don't even know if I would be able to tell which was which. I don't know on that one. Maybe they have pictures on the walls or something, and they're like, 20s Jonathan, 30s Jonathan, 40s Jonathan. And I would be <sighs> like, oh, okay, those are the shoes that I saw, so it's a 50s Jonathan. Maybe. Or maybe it's like, look at his hair. He had one that just like sprung up all alfalfa-like. <laughs> These are just pictures? Like, just... It's pictures of the hotel, yes. But I am about to send you um, a I don't video. want it. I don't uh, want it. Yeah, you do. But you gotta wait for it. I don't want it. People, I said people, okay. People report feeling poked or prodded like someone's trying to get their attention. Or maybe someone's trying to tickle them because that's not fun either. I mean, it, it was a brothel. It could be, you know, a flirty little side tickle. Maisie and I don't want flirty little side tickles. Uh, what about children being heard running up and down the stairs? Nope. Unless it's Which, this child in my arms, I don't want to hear them running anywhere. He's getting so big, it's wild. I know, she's huge, isn't she? Compared she's to what she used head to be. Now. She used to just fit, like, right, right here. Okay, the last go. thing, did you see me get excited? The last thing um, is that people also report hearing meows. And they have even caught the ghostly figure of a cat trotting into the room. The cat belonged to Sal. And he said that before they moved in the hotel, he used to let the cat out at night and it would come back during the day. Well, after they moved in, the cat would not leave the house. And it eventually got to where it would not leave his, his floor. And then it started hanging out on the third floor. And then it just refused to leave. Listen, I have a ghost kitty at my house. I don't know if I've told you about my, my ghost kitty. Um, but I have a ghost kitty. And said ghost kitty is one of our cats that was hit by a car uh, two years ago. And it was really weird when he started showing up as a ghost because... We we do have other cats, right? So it would normally we notice the ghost kitty at bedtime because this cat had a very specific way of walking on us in the middle of the night. He was very gentle. He was like the sweetest cat. He would like try to you would always feel his paw. So if this was my leg right here, you would always feel his paw like tap your leg trying to find where he could step over you. So he was always so sweet trying not to wake you up. So we started feeling gentleman. He really was. We started feeling that not long after he had died and feeling like that tapping. And we initially were like, it's a different cat. So we would like kick our leg to be like, get the hell away from us. You're the dick that wakes up, wakes us up. But then when there's no cat going flying off the bed, we were like, oh, 
that was not I that was very distinct beamer touches. And then we also started seeing him like in the yard, like as a ghost, like during the day. I'd be like looking out in the yard and I'd be like, what the hell cat is that? And I'd look away for a second and it'd be gone. And I'd be like, that looked just like Beamer. So we we've got a ghost kitty. Oh my god, that's so sweet though. Yeah, he's sweet. He's so sweet. Apparently this one too, like it's just very sweet. Um, it started spinning. And one source, I did not hear it because there are, you can go to the website and go to evidence and you can actually see Sal talking about this himself. Um, he did not mention a name that I saw, but one source did say that either the cat was named or now they call him Sweet Thing or call her Sweet Thing. And eventually Sweet Thing got to where she would not leave the third floor. And Sal had to start feeding her on the third floor because she would not come down. And then one day or night, they got an EVP of a ghost that they call Claire saying that it was her cat. And then the last thing they hear is scratching at the windows. Really hope that's the cat. Yeah, I don't like the scratching at the windows because that could be a skinwalker. No, well, you don't have window. to say the name. <laughs> I didn't say the specific skinwalker's name. I'm just saying it very well could be a skinwalker. I don't even like saying that. Um, do you want to, or have you already watched that video? Do you want I have to not watch it, watched it? it. Okay, I haven't watched it because I didn't know if there was sound with it that I had to have on. No, I don't believe there is. Okay, well, that's why I haven't watched it is because I was listening to you. So, okay, so the video that I'm seeing, first of all, it does not look like a cat. It looks like, you know, off of Toy Story, the newer Toy Stories, they've got that fork. No, I need to rewatch Toy Stories, apparently. It's the newer ones. Um, Toy Story Fork? Forky. It's named Forky. Okay, that it's like a it's a spork with like it's like a DIY toy. It's a spork with um like what is that called? The pipey stuff, the pipe cleaners? No. Uh, yeah, no, they're pipe cleaners. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. It's got pipe cleaners that's wrapped around it and it's like that's its arms and it's got little anyways, it looks like Forky running across the hall. See, um, to I'm... me, I see have you gotten to where it zooms in yet? Um, no, but I was going to send you the image of Forky, so hold okay. on. It's hard to see at first, but once it zooms in, I 1,000% see a cat. Okay, hold on. I mean, I see the movement, and it's only at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. See, that's my thing, is I only feel like I see that one spot. And I've rewatched it, like, six times. I see, like, I can make that out to be, like, a cat's little booty and the tail straight up just trotting across the hallway. I mean, I can see that. I just don't see the full cat is what I'm saying. No, I don't think it's a full cat. Oh, okay. Yeah, then I can see it as, like, a cat's little booty. But yeah, what I'm saying, so I sent you a link. I guess I could have just shared. But I sent you a link on Discord of Forky. Wait a minute. I love him. Yeah. He reminds me of Plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah. But he's a little sport. Anyways, point being is that's what I see because that's like you only see that white piece. But I can see how that could look like a like the cat's little booty walking across. 
Oh my god, it does look like I looked up videos and images and it does look like him. I'm telling you. I'm telling you that's who it is. Is Forky in the Shanley Hotel? Forky, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't unsee it now. First I saw a cat and then Bryce ruined that. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm a poet and I didn't know it. I don't know <laughs> that I actually ruined it. I think I enhanced it. I'll allow it. Okay. <laughs> no, I definitely see. I can see how it looks like a cat because it looks like almost just like one leg's movement. Mm-hmm. So you just see like the one leg and I can see like the shape of, that it would look maybe like a cat. Okay, well, is that is that all you have on the Shanley Hotel? Yes, that's all of them. I wanted to end with that scratching on the windows because I really hope it's sweet thing. You really hope it's not what I said it was. Yeah, no. Ugh. Ugh, yourself. They who shall not be named. <laughs> Anyways, that was a good one. I like, my favorite is the ghost kitty, but maybe because I... Annie, Annie, I'm talking right now. She does not care. <laughs> Anyways, but maybe it's just because it's the ghost kitty and I can identify with having a ghost kitty. So anyways, thank you all for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Twitter is the only one that's different, and that's Hell on Heels pod. Everything else is Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support, <clears throat> if you want to support us, please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platforms. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon. We're working to release specials for our patrons. If you have your own true crime or paranormal story suggestions or just words of encouragement, please email us at hellandhealspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to tell your friends to listen with you as well. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Say bye bye. Bye bye. Okay. Well, you can't see her, but she's blowing kisses. I can see her because we're blowing kisses together. There's slobber everywhere. Not on my end. <laughs> You're oh, welcome. <laughs>